Welcome to another episode of Don't Give Up Skeleton. I'm your host, Jeremy Greer. This week's guest is Savesh, aka Mystic Referee 86 on Twitter. Savesh um, didn't play very many video games before he started the Soul series, and then when he found them and finally clicked with them, he played all of them within a year, which is just an incredible feat that I can't really imagine doing. Although, now that it's been said out loud, I might like to try it. Remember, uh, if you'd like to see your soul story be on the podcast, send me an email, dguspodcast at gmail.com, or hit me up on Twitter, dguspodcast. Thanks, and enjoy the episode. forgive my ignorance on this because i'm um, an uneducated white guy from the south but uh were there like did you have access to a lot of video games in india growing up i did but Mm -hmm. i I would say my my video game history is is not really much of a history like uh you know if if people ask me like before the soul series uh you know uh, what are your favorite video games or what video games have you played i would probably just count them on a on my hand you know uh like video gaming in india is um is kind of you know kind of dominated by you know the best sellers really like you know it takes a while for like the really good stuff the the obscure you know the stuff people aren't really talking about on you know uh whatever the top video game magazines are or whatever um yeah like all but, i mean I, I, I don't want to i don't want to paint that picture as if like you know we're all like not hipsters there or something but like i mean obviously there's <laughs> a lot a lot of people that that are into that were into like cool video gaming it's just like my childhood didn't really revolve around video games i'm not showing off or anything but like most of my time was spent like playing outside or you know doing different kinds of things so like my video gaming history is just very like oh i just get together with friends and like play a multiplayer like you know uh like a moral combat thing or uh and all of that stuff like that but my beginning uh, i think when i first started playing video games was after my first trip to the united states that's when i first got a personal computer um i didn't play any video games until then i was in sixth grade and uh, i i we had a personal computer set up we were like one of the first you know people in the neighborhood to have a computer like it was an ms-dos system but you know mm-hmm. I, I i will vouch for the quality of ms-dos games i think I'm really passionate about them because they just formed so much of my childhood. Uh, just um, the my first computer was an right. MS DOS IBM, so I, I know exactly what you're yeah. talking about. That's that's how I can, yeah, yeah, it is. And uh, one of I I think if not for the Soul series, I would say my my absolute favorite video game of all time is Prince of Persia. I think the first Prince of Persia by Jordan Mechner is just is an absolute masterpiece. I think. Uh, I just got lost in that video game. I, I mean, I'm, I'm not gonna say I did like I ended up doing speed runs or podcasts about it, but <laughs> uh, uh, it's just I don't know. The, it's just like it paints this like, you know, it just reminds me of of my childhood. Like uh, mm-hmm. I'd, I'd just be sitting in there, like trying to 
get through each level and like think about all these traps and enemy placements and kind of stuff like that. So it just like uh, I think from my childhood I've had a fascination with just software. I mean I'm a, I, I'm a software engineer, so it's um, it's just like watching video games like that where they kind of introduce small elements and then like kind of build on them and then there's like a basic infrastructure uh just you know introduce one enemy and then a different type and then do something else it's like you can see what the intention of the developer is and what they're trying to do and you know in many ways it kind of ends up being very elegant instead of just like throwing a bunch of things in there and trying to do i don't know i don't know what so uh yeah just that just the view of Prince of Persia that I have, I think, just never went away. I think my appreciation for for Souls games as well kind of comes from that that kind of viewpoint of like this two D platformer with mm-hmm. traps and dual enemies and you know all kinds of arcane magic things that can hit you in the middle and skeletons, <laughs> lots of skeletons. <laughs> Gotta so love skeletons. Yeah, uh, just a pile of skeletons just like standing up and putting themselves together. You know, that's, that's just the best thing in the world. <laughs> that's video games, right? <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, but yeah, yeah I, I played, you know, I played some racing games. I played, you know, I never really actually got into RPGs. Um, so until my adulthood, uh, I I think, you know, I kind of messed around in games like Skyrim or whatever because they were like the best sellers. So I just picked them up. It's not like I was into video games or anything. Uh, but I think I, I got into stuff like Portal. I, you know, I just made some really good friends that kind of talked to me about all those games like i played portal and portal 2 i really love those games and uh so yeah i like think my, my video game history is probably prince of persia a couple of racing games the portal portal games and then maybe the mass effect before the soul <laughs> series that's it um i mean not counting things like tetris or whatever on my phone yeah uh, uh, what's uh let's jump into the souls game where, where, where did you start out so uh, my really close friend and my bandmate, uh, who is also named Jeremy, uh, excellent. Uh, he's a very good big gamer. Uh, he's uh, he's been into arcade games since he was a kid, and uh, it's just like you know. I think we used to talk about a lot of things, and I think he was the kind of person that kind of told me about a lot of these really obscure, interesting games. And he started talking to me about Dark Souls uh, because apparently, if you play Dark Souls, you can't stop talking about it. Uh, so like our conversations would just be dominated by him just going on and on about like this spider that had the torso of a lady on top of it and yeah sure message that said great chest ahead and uh uh, he's just like he was just laughing about it and i i didn't really find it funny the first time i heard it i was like uh that's very interesting um but then he just like go on and on about all these encounters and like oh man I like I ran into this knight that is just absolutely wrecking me uh, or like talking about all the skeletons and all that stuff. But I just like I don't know why it just didn't all click in my head as a thing to invest time in. Uh, he actually gifted me a copy of Dark Souls um, and I, I he sat next to me as I played through the asylum and uh, kind of had had me go against the asylum demon not telling me that i could just run away the first time and i was like this is just oppressive this is why this is too why hard just ban- yeah. like my like this i'm holding a broken something and like there's a demon in front of me and what am i doing you know uh and it was just really and also the design it's just so much gray so you know i just i maybe i just didn't want to be in that headspace um 
I was like, oh, this is just oppressive and disturbing. And, uh, you know, he just egged me on, though, like, you know, uh, saying, oh, you got just got, got to keep going. It gets better. Like, just trust me. There's a lot of things. And, but the conversation was also dominated by how difficult the game was. And I just don't think that was selling it for me. Uh, you know, just talking about uh, just the overcoming this really difficult thing. I, I just didn't have any aspirations like that, you know, especially with respect to video games. I was like, not mm-hmm. whatever. Um, but but now, I mean, now I see what, what he was actually trying to talk about and all that. Uh, but uh, yeah, so I kind of just gave up. I mean, I think I got to um, Firelink Shrine and, you know, did the usual stuff like going to the graveyard or whatever. And then... Mm-hmm. Uh, I think I, I did get into Underberg, but it was just it just started getting un, like not manageable at all. I was like every everything was just killing me, and I was just like, I, yeah, this is not for me. So I just gave up. Uh, <laughs> you'd be last... surprised. You'd be surprised about how many people say that at the at the beginning of this. Like they always like it's. It seems like most people start a Souls game and then just like thirty forty five minutes later just put it down. And like I'll come. Back. I'll I'll probably never play that again. <laughs> so I wouldn't yeah. feel bad at all. <clears throat> Yeah, um, yeah. It just almost seems designed for that, and I mean, so much so that like, I mean, just the recent games have just kind of adapted that philosophy like in a different way, as in, you know, just almost like built into the game itself. Like, oh, obviously this is not something that's meant for you now, so don't go here now, and eventually you'll get there. Hmm. So what what made you pick it back up again after you set it down for a little while? I um, so last year uh, Jeremy started talking to me about Bloodborne, and I had no idea that that game was even coming out because I just completely lost. I mean, I this he just stopped stopped talking to me about the Souls games, mm-hmm. <laughs> um, so I just completely I just didn't know that there was a game called Bloodborne coming out and all of that. And um, but he was just talking to me about this boss. Um, I think it might have been a, a Briatus. Um, it's just like looking at that design was just. Um, I just didn't know what was going on in this game. So, you know, would you believe it? Like, my first exposure to Bloodborne was actually the Cosmos side of it, not the B side of it. So, like, going in, I knew that there was all kind, all that kind of stuff as well. Um, but so, so real quick before we get too far into Bloodborne, so you you played Dark Souls, you put it down, and then you didn't touch Dark Souls Two, Demon Souls, and then you started back oh, up with Bloodborne no, later. Okay, no, interesting. I think the the only video games I played in between were probably Mass Effect. Um, that that's probably it. Um, yeah, just <laughs> video games just don't really form a big part of my life. Um, well, I, I guess until last year. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I'm sorry, I, I didn't mean to interrupt. Yeah. So, but continue. Yeah, so, just, yeah, your your, um, your friend shows you like these weird space gods from Bloodborne, and you're yeah, and you get and, into it. Uh, yeah, I I don't know what it was, but I think I watched a let's play of someone just like I just wanted to be, I want to see like oh what's the gameplay of this thing like so. I think I just stumbled upon like a let's play, which was the first episode. So, I mean, I saw the weird intro, and then I saw the character creation, and I saw the kind of entry into Central Yarnum, and like that layout and the and the vistas and everything. And I was like, I, I don't know what it was. I think it just like switched something on, <laughs> and I was like, I, I'm gonna try this. I have I have uh, forty bucks to spare, so um, I got a copy of Bloodborne and. Uh, it's just like, yeah, my life has not been the same since. <laughs> uh, and you just, got heavily just to, into Bloodborne, Just huh? to give you a little, uh, just to give you a little preview, I've played like everything from Demon Souls until Dark Souls Three in the space of less than a year now. 
multiple rounds. Jeez. That's a, that's a lot of souls in a very compressed amount of it time. Is, uh, yeah, you were talking the other day about starting a Souls Widows podcast. Um, <laughs> I mean, I, I don't ignore uh, my wife, Julia, but like, I don't know. She, uh, she does definitely seem to fit that profile a lot. Like, why is he always playing this? Yeah, why is he trying to talk to me about Dark Souls all the time? I don't care about these yeah. characters. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, in a weird way, she probably knows a lot about it now, so... That's and that's the, the joke I make is that my wife could probably hold her own in a lore conversation about Dark Souls, especially Dark Souls One, with just about anybody out there because I talk about it so much to her, <clears throat> which is a ridiculous thing to say. But you know, there are wives; they love us. Yeah. <clears throat> Sorry, excuse me. So, what was it? What do you think it was like Bloodborne, very specifically that that kind of got you into it more than Dark Souls One? Do you think it was just like the kind of atmosphere and the world building around it? <laughs> I think it was oppressive in a way that was kind of heavy for me. I mean, now now that I, I mean, I'm going to talk a lot about Dark Souls 1, by the way, after this, because, um, yeah, I, I, I'm going to get to it. But, I mean, now <laughs> I know that this, I mean, the Dark Souls games also have that kind of heaviness with their oppression, but, you know, obviously other things are going on as well. But with Bloodborne, like, the visual style, I think, immediately kind of did that for me. I mean, kind of mm-hmm. gratified that part of me that was, I mean, I'm actually into um, that kind of like storytelling, which is, you know, kind of have, I mean, you know that there's something afoot, but you're just kind of going through it and you don't, you don't know what's coming and you're always like, you don't know what's coming and you're scared, but you're always like kind of looking forward to it. Um, that like in Dark Souls 1, I kind of bounced off because I was like, oh man, it just looks so gray. I, I don't know if I'll like, maybe there's just more hollows ahead of me and like more demons, you know? Uh, but with Bloodborne, I like instantly knew that, oh, I see like this glittering, like kind of ruined kind of uh, town. And, um, you know, I hear these screams in the distance and I see like different kinds of enemies that are actually talking back to you as well. So that's like, that's kind of a new kind of storytelling that Bloodborne did, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I think I'm, I'm actually pretty sure that a lot of people that have got into the Soul series with Bloodborne will probably say the same thing. It's just like, it had that immediate, like, you know, it really is a testament. Like, if there's one good thing to be said about today's graphical fidelity and all that, it's like, some games actually are pulling off that, you know, putting you into that space thing. Um, yeah, which I think, actually making you believe you're in that world. Yes, and, you know, for, for a, you know, not a big video games like a guy like me before Soul, the Soul series, like, I always looked at video games as a, oh, this is a virtual world that is trying to kind of evoke something in me. I'm just walking through it, you know? But that's why I actually liked a lot of walking simulators as well for a period of time. Like, I really love the Myst um, series of games as well, which, you know, they're trying to kind of tell a story through the environment, you know, that kind of thing. But uh, I think, yeah, so I think a lot of people will say that about, about Bloodborne, like, that it does that. And it certainly did that for me. And I just knew instantly that, you know, just something clicked in me, you know, like I knew that there's a story that's being told here, but I'm not going to get it until I actually look for it, look for it. And I progress. Like the moment I stop playing is when I just don't know what's next. And I really wanted to know what's next. Um, I just like, Oh, I don't know what's coming. I'm just really into it. So blood bloodborne has a, has a more of a little bit more of a direct plot line um, than the other souls games. Yeah. But it's still a lot of it is still hidden in you know item descriptions of the various things that you pick up along the way. Were you did somebody had somebody clued you in on the item descriptions, or is that something that you kind of came upon yourself? 
Actually, I went through the item descriptions myself, but I, I, I mean, I did that for a while, but then, like, when I got into the middle portion of the game, I was just too engrossed to, like, really spend time reading things, because I was just, like, uh, wanting to see, like, more of the game world, but I don't think I did an exhaustive kind of item description uh, research or anything. Um, all of that stuff, obviously, just came from, like, the YouTube gotcha. masters. Yeah, that's that's the same thing for me. Like I way back when in Dark Souls when I was like I saw it, like a body video and then was like, Oh, there's all this stuff in here and I'd had yeah. no idea. <laughs> how do you how do you even figure that yeah. stuff out? Yeah, I mean like for me just like every item seemed to be saying something different. Like it was just all so overwhelming. Um mm-hmm. like, oh wait, the powder kegs? Okay. Uh, you know so i was like uh i just like putting it all together just seemed like too much work for me when i was just like really trying to survive in this super harsh world uh so, so i'm kind of curious uh you, you mentioned a couple of times that you weren't like a very big gamer did you buy a playstation 4 specifically for bloodborne or did you borrow somebody's because if you bought it specifically for bloodborne which i did but i'm also a big gamer so i knew i'd get a lot of value out of it like that's an expensive video game yeah, um, I had a PS3 before that. As I said, you know, I used to play Mass Effect mm-hmm. and all those games. And uh, I just moved in with my uh, now wife uh, a few years back. And we just made that purchase together. Because she's actually a big gamer. She was a very big gamer, you know, I mean, since a kid. Since she was a kid. Um, just, like, into a lot of retro, like, Nintendo stuff and uh, all that. All those. Uh, so she has a lot of other gaming systems. But we bought that PS4 together. Uh, but I think, I mean, I tried... I tried a couple of games on it. I played some sports games and um yeah, but I think Bloodborne was the first thing that just like really that kind of clued me into just using it kind of uh not as a hobby, but <laughs> just as something that just took over my life. Yeah, something you thought about like when you woke up in the morning and yeah, as you were like, sleeping at why, night. Yeah. Why would I not have a PS4? It's <laughs> I, mean, I have to play Bloodborne. <laughs> So uh, going from uh, Bloodborne, did you finish the game? Obviously, you probably finished the game before the DLC came out. But did you go back to the other games before the DLC came out, or did you like finish that whole Bloodborne thing and then go back to the Souls games? Actually, what happened was I got to I think halfway through Bloodborne, and um, I, I just started like kind of looking up YouTube videos about what was happening, kind of just trying to understand what went what I went through and trying to not spoil myself, but like kind of just you know just reading up the wiki or looking up videos and i just just started because you know my entire life was just consumed by this so i was just also looking up uh, the souls games and just kind of reading about dark souls and i came upon that vati video about just kind of like the concise story of dark souls video where Mm -hmm. it just kind of talks about gwen and all that and i was like man that now even more than bloodborne that looks like kind of like my story because like this whole mythology thing, which I didn't really uh, get clued into with my uh, couple hours experience with Dark Souls, uh, just this demons and like the 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 chaos which witches and like you know Gwyn and the Lords of Cinder and like his knights and all that stuff. It's just kind of you know just again going back to just reading fiction and like watching um, mythology films as a kid in India because. You know, Indian mythology is is very rich and also just contributes to a lot of the sort of pop culture um, consumption in India. Like people mm-hmm. like watching adaptations of like uh, 
big mythological stories on TV and, and in film and everything. And I, when I was a kid, I used to watch a lot of those. And uh, I was like, even more than Bloodborne, this is just like ticking all my boxes. So I actually put down Bloodborne when I, I think <laughs> when I got, when I got to, uh, uh, it's, yeah, my life's just been weird since I got no, no, no. I'm, I'm, games. I'm, um, I'm laughing, but I'm, I'm just like I'm picturing myself like putting down Bloodborne in the middle of it to go play another, like to go play, even go to go no, play Dark Souls. Like, yeah, yeah, that's... yeah. Um, <laughs> I, I think I was having a bit of trouble as well. Like, I, I think I, around the time I was just kind of maybe playing uh, two or three times a week, not every day, because I was also busy. So it was kind of slow going. So um, I kind of wanted so. I really wanted to like kind of explore the first part of Dark Souls. You know, I just wanted to kind of get through what I kind of gave up on before. Um, mm-hmm. So I I just picked it up, and I did not touch Bloodborne again until I finished Dark Souls. Wow. Yeah. I, that's uh, that's a I long Dark game Souls, too. <laughs> yeah, and um, yeah, I finished it in less than, in less than two months. Um, I. Just after I beat Win, I think a couple weeks later, I went back and finished the rest of Bloodborne, um, and then uh, and then Scholar, and uh, well, real quick, um, like your Dark Souls one, you went back to Dark Souls one. Did you pick up your old character, or did you just totally start fresh to, to try to get oh, yourself? stuff? I started fresh. Um, I started fresh. I, uh, I used can you give me a? I was about to say, can you give me a brief idea rundown on your build that you ended up with? Yeah, um, I, I really want it's like one of the things that kind of appealed to me about the kind of Souls world, and I, I will still say it's like a strength that it has over Bloodborne, is just kind of the variety of builds. Um, uh, just, you know, just imagining doing like a fire guy that just throws like fireballs was just really appealing to me. So I just started as a pyromancer, not knowing how overpowered it could get. And um, <laughs> yeah, I really enjoyed that run. That was amazing. Like, I think a lot of, I mean, now I just absolutely adore this series. And like my first run of Dark Souls was just one of the most joyous experiences I've ever had. Um, And I went through everything. Uh, I I was spoiled in a few things, I think. Uh, Like things like uh, Lotric killing Anastasia. So I just instantly kicked him off a cliff. Um, (laughs) uh, (laughs) Things like that, you know, just like uh, tiny mechanical things. But overall, I just didn't know what each level had in store and like uh, just kind of putting the uh, lore together and all that. Um, uh, That was a bit of slow going, but I mean, that was just such a memorable experience. And like looking back, like now that I've, uh, my memory is like kind of muddled. Like you'd think I've played all these games in the last year, so I'd have like a really clear view of, (laughs) you know, what each game is like but it's like because i've played them in a, such a short period of time all t- like it's all muddled and for some reason i just feel like dark souls one was still my first souls game uh mm-hmm. after like playing all of them like that that feeling it gave me and like how i played it how i learned things in dark souls um actively because in bloodborne i, I just didn't know what i was doing most of the time i was just kind of going on and on uh, I summoned for a few bosses and all of that, but in Dark Souls, I really felt like I had to. I was kind of learning the intricacies of things uh, because D- DS One is just such a beautiful example of like, you know, uh, I mean DS Two you can argue makes th- I mean gives player choice in terms of making it easy, but DS One gives you player choice in terms of like making you learn things. Like you get the Drake Sword, but you learn soon that it's it's not really good, you know, but because yeah. you have to upgrade things. So it just teaches you its system so much better, I think, uh, than any other Souls game. Um, 
Do you think that's know, because just, it's the first game? Like, do you think From Software kind of expected more people had, especially with Dark Souls Three? Like, it, I feel like there's not much there's not much of a tutorial lesson in Dark Souls Three. Like, I feel like they kind of expected people to have already played Bloodborne or Dark Souls One or Dark Souls Two or Demons. Like, they just kind of throw you into it. Do you think they spent more time on that on Dark Souls One specifically for that reason? Um, it it kind of does feel like um. You know, because now I've also played Demon Souls, and uh, just kind of looking at some of the levels in Demon Souls—not all of them, because Demon Souls—I mean, it's a fantastic game—but uh, some of the parts in it definitely feel more gamey to me than the rest of the series. But some of the worlds, like Latria and like Shrine of Storms and everything, I just they show this philosophy that that just would be continued through the rest of the series, um, and it kind of does feel like that part of Demon's Souls and Dark Souls 1 was actually one big project of like this set of ideas that Miyazaki and the other folks in From Software had um, just, you know, presenting, you know, this sort of a game philosophy of these oppressive game worlds that actually reveal a lot as you go through them and teach you things um, does seem like one big thing. So maybe DS1 is like a more refined version of that, of the seeds of that idea that were in Hmm. Demon's Souls. So from from Dark Souls one, you went straight back to Bloodborne, and from there, did you start your character over again like you did with Dark Souls one, or did you just pick it up right where oh, you no, had I just, left off? I just finished my uh, older Bloodborne character because I mean it was a strength build, and you know not knowing the intricacies of the mechanics of these games and like understanding when I went back to Bloodborne that I was using a strength build and this, this did that, and um, it just I I knew instantly that that was a good build to finish the game, so uh, I just improved it a little bit more and. Yeah, went through it. It was great. And was that was the DLC out at that time? Uh no, it wasn't. I played uh, Scholar and Demon Souls before the DLC. Before. Jeez. Yeah. How was uh How was going back to Demon Souls? Like the the quality of life improvements, even in, even just in Dark Souls One, not to mention Dark Souls Two and Bloodborne, are they're they're pretty extreme compared to how Demon Souls was when it first came out. Um, like that tutorial section in Demon Souls, which is nothing but like an empty room with a bunch of messages on the ground that teaches you the controls. <laughs> like that's just yeah. crazy. If you think about yeah. it now, like how was it going? How was it going back? I just kind of love, I mean, I didn't get this because I watched some videos online of this translated version of demon souls. That is just absolutely hilarious. Like I don't, I, I'm not entirely sure of the, the kind of uh, classification and the history of this stuff, but like, wasn't there like a badly translated version of demon souls first and then a better one? Uh, released in North America. Yeah, they had um, the the quote unquote Asian version, which is different than the Japanese version, uh, was out. But it had a U.S. excuse me, it had an English translation, but it was kind of weird. Like sticky white stuff wasn't sticky white <laughs> stuff. It was like sticky spider stuff or something. It was some yeah. very bizarre Souls, things. Yeah, Demon Souls descriptions are just the best. Like the the hands of God thing um, that has the big M. The, the big M. <laughs> <laughs> and the, and the, and the original badly translated version has like a legend of China or something in it, which is just just hilarious, I think. So yeah, I think parts of Demon's Souls when I first started definitely did seem to have like that kind of amateurish feel um, to it. But but even then, like in the tutorial area, you have this guy throwing firebombs at you from a ledge, right? And mm-hmm. a knight in the next corridor, which again, I mean, that's Lothric Castle pretty much, right? In Dark Souls 3, which... I mean, that's it. Like, they 
cracked it all the way back then. Like they cracked this kind of self-sustaining model of this RPG video game world that they're trying to build. You know, different kinds of enemies that can be dealt with by different builds um, in in uh, interesting locations. So, I mean, even Demon Souls had that right from the beginning. It's just like parts of it just seem amateurish, like the menus or the uh, descriptions and things like that. But um, it, it's funny. So, um, Julia, actually, like we, I would play Demon Souls and Julia would watch from behind me and she'd say, um, uh, you know, hey, th- this actually looks better than like some the other Souls games I've seen you play. And mm-hmm. maybe it's because she's kind of into that retro feel. But I kind of felt that as well. Like it has that kind of ethereal uh, kind of feeling to it. Like you start by like walking into fog and uh, like there's a glow around each character, but the rest of it like really seems grim. So uh, I, th- I think it's a very interesting look for the game. And in many ways, I think that kind of thing will survive like decades of like you know video game uh kind of history you know they i think people will look back at demon souls and i think that style is pretty cool i um i loaded up demon souls it's been a little while now it's been maybe a couple of months um to help a friend out through i don't remember which one which fight but i ended up my character was i loaded into was in three two and i was just struck by like even even though it was kind of obviously lower res a little bit, and like it was obviously a little chunkier than Dark Souls and then Bloodborne and everything, like the art style stood out to me as just still like so good that I think it's going to yeah. hold up for a lot longer than say, like the console version of Dark Souls one. Like the PC version can obviously be improved, but like the, that original console version will always be exactly the same thing. And like it's good, like and there's some really interesting moments, but I don't think it's going to hold up anywhere near as well as Demon Souls will. Yeah. I mean, Dark Souls One. I mean, will be talked about for ages, I'm sure. But uh, yeah. there's already multiple Souls podcasts will... dedicated to it. <laughs> yes, and books, and uh, this, where's the TV show? Right, uh, just give me that Dark Souls TV show that looks like Game of Thrones and spot probably horrible. Actually, never mind. Um, I remember when uh, I started watching Game of Thrones. Um, that like the original fight scenes like these giant dudes and with axes and stuff like they would start fighting each other i'm like dude this is so dark souls pvp like this is exactly this is the live action of the shit that i'm doing on the game (laughs) the mountain is pretty much just havel the rock without that armor right absolutely Uh, yeah yeah Uh, yeah i mean i've talked about it on the duck feed slack a bunch but like i i think there are some filmmakers and i think with the right production and budget and like a really weird quirky way of kind of telling the story it could work on the big screen but i think it has to be a uh, a serialized version it can be a film i think that would be horrible but anyway uh just going back to demon souls yeah that 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 style just kind of appealed to me and the music is great and the i think demon souls has my favorite ending of any souls game so far um okay the the whole like amazing like old one kind of rising up through the mist and like the birds flying off of him like that looks so tiny <laughs> and just the whole ending with the weird king of land and everything it's just that even the choice that it presents you with is just i mean it's pretty clear cut but i mean i think the, that's the one i spent the most time on thinking about what i want to do yeah that's i'm still kind of um I'm still kind of lost on Demon Souls endings. Like I, I go back to some of those videos sometimes and just like watch the ending of what happens, and I'm like, I don't, I still don't know like which one of these is 
the right i know neither of them really are the right choice but which one is less right like I, i'm still kind of confused by the, the the ending not so much like in a what happened thing but in a like what i want my character to do um angle yeah and i think that speaks for like how powerful that ending is or how well it's written like the other stuff like nowadays linking the fire not linking the fire in dark souls one is kind of just a it's just a choice like it does there's no real gravitas to it but in in demon souls i feel like there's way more of a more of a a weight to that decision i I pretty much like i've done like three runs of dark souls so far and uh the dark souls one and every time i get to the ending it's just what armor am i wearing and will it look good if I'm licking the fire, or if I actually look edgy walking through a bunch of snakes. <laughs> Fashion Souls is king, I agree. <laughs> yeah. Even in Dark Souls 2, just get the goofiest looking character and put him on the throne. Oh, yeah. I have. Uh, um, I wasn't really paying attention. At, uh, my last time I finished Dark Souls 2, I was ended up wearing uh, whatever that weird like sorcerer helmet is that has all the weird spikes that uh, the person invades you in right before the skeleton lords uh has anyway just weird looking hat and like the desert arm desert sorceress closed and like yeah. my, my character ended up sitting on the screen like legs spread and i'm like oh man this ended up not being good <laughs> this was bad this is a bad choice yeah. <laughs> um the the hollow ending for dark souls 3 actually has this really hilarious thing where like it's supposed to look super badass as you like kind of kneel and get up and walk through these halls but you could be wearing some ridiculous armor and everything will just clip and it just looks yeah it looks like a yeah. slapstick comedy <laughs> always um anytime i know that there's going to be a uh sweet cut scene I, I, I get my fashion souls on right before it like now like in dark souls 3 when you yeah. go to hold up the banner at the very beginning i'm like okay i gotta make sure i look as rad as possible <clears throat> but yeah going back so, to the souls i mean that yeah. that is kind of uh, with Demon Souls, I think around that time is kind of when I started listening to a bunch of these podcasts, like Bonfireside Chat and uh, Humanities and all that stuff, and uh, just kind of hearing these different perspectives on like the stories and like the episodic kind of takes on like each area was just uh, just kind of drew me deeper into this abyss of just Souls consumption um, as well. Uh, so yeah, my appreciation for Demon Souls story ending kind of comes from like learning a lot of it from like Bonfire Fireside Chat and like their takes on it and all that. Yeah, Gary has a a really good. It's been a while since I've listened to the final episode of that season, but I, I think Gary had a really good theory as to like the endings and how they relate to one another and like what the players should be doing and how the world is situated at the end of all this stuff that I thought was really, really interesting. I should probably go back and listen to that. It's been, it's been a minute since I've done that. Yeah. Just like a larger point about the souls community is like, I I think more than anything else on the internet, it just kind of seems like more souls creator just put out top notch content than most other fields or Mm -hmm. weird internet subgroups. It's like, you know, even like the lame kind of funny stuff. Uh, I'm not. Ta- I'm. I'm not talking about the advertising for Souls or whatever, because that stuff is lame. But like, <laughs> just like the independent creators, like the videos or the lore theories or the websites or the podcasts. Like everyone just seems to have something interesting interesting to say about these uh, the series. And you know, just how great is that? That something is cultivated like that kind of uh, conversation on the internet. That's amazing. I wonder how weird it is for. Um someone like Miyazaki and for the rest of the developers up from to look out there and realize like 
like you mentioned earlier, there's a book, there's, you know, a podcast dedicated, like, hundreds of hundreds of hours dedicated to, you know, breaking down the levels and the gameplay. There's another podcast that has done the same thing. Now there's this thing. Like, there's so many YouTube. Like, it's got to be a very weird thing to have created it and see it just, like, magnified by a thousand on the internet to see that kind of go out there. Yeah. I would feel really weird if I had like written a story and then people went batshit about it like that. I was, I would just like, I don't know. I just always think of like, what do you think about a, like what's your name with the Harry Potter books? Like it's just bizarre. Like the most famous person in the world just about. And like, yeah, you wrote that. Like that's a weird situation to be into. Yeah. yeah. But uh, let's, let's talk about Dark Souls 2. Which real quick, which did you go back from Bloodborne? Did you start with Demons and then go to Dark Two, or wh- how was that progression? Uh, I'm curious. I played Scholar first because um, I think I just got a birthday gift for a PS4 gift card um, uh, because Jeremy now knew I was into the Souls series because I was talking to him about it. So um, I got a free coupon for Dark Souls Two, so I just used that and I played it. Love that game as well. Um, I mean, overall, I, I still think it's the weakest one for me, but I mean, mm-hmm. just it do- it does a lot of good things. Uh, so. I love it. I've done, well, I think, three playthroughs of that as well. Um, actually, two full ones, and the third one's pretty early. Um, and yeah, and I played the Scholar version, so I probably played the definitive good version of that game. And, uh, <laughs> uh, uh, just, yeah, I've, I mean, I do see some of the criticisms, you know. Uh, parts of it, it really don't make sense, I mean, as you're going through um, and all that. But, you know, I can forgive that game. Uh, it, it filled the soul's hole in my soul <laughs> yeah, <laughs> for that yeah. period of, for that one month or two month period um so it was great even being a weak souls game it's still a better like actual game than most other games is how i yeah, find to be most people fall down on it yeah yeah i mean i think i was kind of exhausted by the length of it a little bit um mm-hmm. uh and also the amount of bosses and all that um but um i think my first build in dark souls 2 was super overpowered i was running a high dex and faith build so i was just using arrows quite a bit and also um the lightning claymore which just was amazing so i kind of just i mean it was just the length of it was exhausting but I actually didn't even didn't find it pretty hard uh, just yeah just kind of went just kind of rolled on through it yeah. huh roll on through it yeah interesting so um here we are kind of after Dark Souls 3, and I, I know from chatting with you on the Duck TV, Duck TV, Duck Feed TV uh, Slack channel that uh, you're pretty much done with it. You went through it pretty quickly, right? Yes, I did. Uh, it wasn't, again, uh, I think nothing was just... Uh, Dark Souls 1, I th- still think it was the most obtuse and the most time I spent on Souls game, just kind of wrapped up in its intricacies and all that. Um, uh, Bloodborne was probably the hardest Souls game I've played. But mm-hmm. the rest of them, I kind of just walked through them. I it, somehow I, I, it felt like I got lucky and just did the best build or something for that game. Like in Demon <laughs> Souls, I did a magic character, not even knowing that magic was overpowered. And yeah, yeah. <laughs> so yeah, it was it was just that was that game was just fun, just like wrecking everything, um, just walking into room and just destroying everything with magic. And then I tried to strength build and struggled a little bit until I got that. The big weapon, the one that's awesome. Uh, anyway. Uh, so are you, um, did you come out of Dark Souls 3 feeling pretty positive about it? Do you, you think it was a pretty good entry in the series? I or? 
I do think it's a good entry in the series, and I think it's a good entry because it's the last one. Um, if it is, in, in fact, not the last one, and there is a Dark Souls 4, I have some issues with the story of Dark Souls 3 in that mm-hmm. case. Uh, but if it is indeed the last one, I'm actually willing to forgive any callback, any any fan service or anything, because it's the last Dark Souls game. And this this company has put out, I think, five or six games in such a short period I, some of it just seemed to be like they're just having fun, you know. Uh, I think I heard somewhere like people talking about how uh, some some of the elements in this game just feel like the best versions of of what they tried to do in other games, and it's almost like you know I'm just going to give it one last go. This is how I'm going to do it. I mean, it would have been great to, for it to have a a different kind of story that wasn't just about linking and not linking the flame and all that stuff, but you know uh, some you know, almost a completely different thing that was even more obtuse or whatever. But it's the last game in the series. It was fun for me. I had a lot of fun playing it. Uh, I mean, all the callbacks and fan service worked on me. I just really enjoyed it. So, um, yeah. Yeah, um, for as as much has been made about, like, some of the callbacks being kind of empty, and I, I found that, and I've made those complaints myself about several of them, like when I think back to during the moment I was actually playing, it actually really worked on me. Like seeing Anne Orlando pop up on the screen, I was like, holy oh, yeah, shit, Anne Orlando. Yeah. That was amazing. And that's what, that's what I'm saying about Dark Souls 1. It's just like, because it was such a memorable experience, it occupies this kind of place in my mind of like, I mean, I already have nostalgia for that game, even though I just played it less than a year ago in in between all of these other games. Like, I'm already wistful for the time I played Dark Souls. Um, It's probably a few months ago. Um, Yeah, just, yeah, watching Honor Orlando was awesome. Uh, Just that vista, and uh, yeah, it hit all the feels, man. Like, walking through and, like, this place that was once oppressive, but now just feels like you're childhood home or something like being taken over by the sludge i was so angry i wanted to destroy whatever it was that just did that to an orlando yeah and and it was just amazing like watching that that view of uh that thing that was eating gwendolyn yeah aldrich that's just it was such yeah. a that's such a weird that's boss probably, fight. Like it's such a cool the Aldrich Irithyll arc is my favorite in the in the game. Absolutely, no question. And I I think a lot of the early part of the game actually kind of sets up that arc of the story. Like it almost seems like even the Lothric stuff is kind of uh, you know takes second spot because you know you're going through the undead settlement, the road of sacrifices, which goes to the cathedral, which is for Aldrich, and Aldrich appears in Irithyll, and like that whole thing almost seems like the best kind of setup for like a final kind of shot of Aldrich just eating Gwendolyn. Um, mm-hmm. Almost as if like this new thing eating the the old idea of the old game, you know, it's kind of this weird meta kind of narrative. Um, maybe I'm just seeing too much into it, but I just, I really love that. But, um, but yeah, I also love the, uh, the entire final level. It was just so Boletaria. I, I think Irithyll and uh, Lothar Castle are just absolutely my favorite things about this game. Man, the the, the, the Lothar Castle, the lead up to the Twin Princes, especially, are just I mean, like it's pretty brutal. It just yeah. it's just so br- it's brutal, and it's also like demon souls as fuck, man. Like it's yeah. just so like it's I mean it's very specifically like even to those like weird wooden 
things that people that the hollows hide behind which don't make any sense to me whatsoever <laughs> like like it's just it was very specifically like hey do you remember this this is gonna be the last time you see it see you later this is it <laughs> i know right like and that just uh, the sky boxes in this game is oh my story. god I mean, yeah you, you can say they're anime or whatever but come on like a bleeding sun that looks like the eclipse from like berserk or something and that's just but it's the dark sign that's in the sky and everything's orange and there's things that look like dragon skeletons that are called pilgrim butterflies flying in the sky i mean people i mean you can complain about dark souls 3 but come on it just does some of the sky boxes the best um, oh my god it, like i mean yeah. the the moments where like they seem to go out of their way to um no matter yeah, what area you're in to yeah. Well, to make it to like crank it to eleven, but also like if you look, you can almost always see like the high wall of Lothric. Like even yeah, yeah. I remember going through um, the the demon ruins and getting out to where like the ballista is and the smoldering lake, mm-hmm. and like looking up and realizing there's a giant hole, and like you can see the bridge through the hole. Like it's just yeah. insane stuff like that. That's so fucking cool. Like I love that. Amazing. Yeah, they yeah, really did. One of my did favorite it. moments yeah. was um, uh, so after I beat the dancer, uh, I didn't go through straight into the Lothric castle. Um, I, I don't know why exactly, but I, I felt like I missed something. I think, oh, I think I missed the binoculars in Lothric. So I kind of wanted to go get them after reading about where they are because I was pretty tired of not finding them all, all that time. Um, so I actually warped to the high wall. Mm-hmm. And so that was my first view of the, the kind of dark sign in the sky. And if you go to the nice. high wall bonfire... It's like staring you in the face. It's like right in front of you. It's as big mm-hmm. as you, almost. Um, so that was an amazing thing. I was like, "What happened to the sky?" Um, <laughs> so. Yeah, they do. I really liked that they went back and and like did, redid the skyboxes for the early areas of the game to yeah. do that. Um, and a lot of light as well, which was nice after Bloodborne, I think. Yeah, yeah. Uh, because the last I'll, thing I'll, I played before Dark Souls Three was uh, the the DLC for Bloodborne. And that was that. The last level of it was this rainy kind of fishing village, and the first shot of Dark Souls Three is this kind of open sky, uh, mountain cliff, and that was great. Yeah, I really my, probably my favorite vista in the game um, is that moment that you after you defeat the first boss, uh, Vord, and then you open the wall. Yeah, and like, that's amazing. You, and you the, the the thing about it that I like so much is that when you come back to it, you realize like this was the whole game, like there's the three towers in the forest and there's the cathedral and like you can see everything that you're about you to do actually see on orlando as well through the cra- yeah. clouds and that's, <laughs> that's just insane yeah. i love that so much yeah. uh. Uh, <clears throat> and there, there are a couple moments i want to talk about um that hollow kind of standing on the the cliff edge um after beating uh gundir um before you head into firelink shrine that's just kind of like drooling Standing on the tip of the mountainside. Mm-hmm. Do you remember that guy? Yeah, yeah. It's by yeah, um, that, what's his name? Yeah, that, Horses that Grave. Was awesome. Yeah. I just loved mm-hmm. it. That was amazing. And, I love uh, the fact that they took the time to put a hollow there, like staring out, yeah. as if to say, "No, no, really, you should go check this out." Like we spent a lot of time right here. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So look at this. Um, <laughs> yeah, no, I think walking up to the Cathedral of the Deep through that um, graveyard where all the, there's all these reanimated reanimated corpses. There's this bridge you take before you enter Cathedral of the Deep and there's a sunset behind that bridge. Yeah, um, yeah. Uh, like into some water too. there's a hollow too, like... just kind of ambling on that bridge and this other hollow with the leech monster out of him kind of walking on the bridge. And that whole view is just amazing. I just took a screenshot straight away. I was like, 
bad as Dark Souls. <laughs> you know, there was a, um, I don't remember how it came up on the Slack, but somebody was like, uh, what do you, some, I think uh, somebody got a new laptop and they were like, what do you use for desktop backgrounds? And I was like, pretty much just my Dark Souls 3 screenshots right now. Like, I'm still not done with those. <laughs> I've just got a giant folder of those and I'm working, working my way through. Yeah, you said there's the, like an automatic way to do that, right? Um, take the screenshots. Yeah, um, are you playing on PS4 as well? Yes. Like you can just—I mean, I've, I've got—you can just change your share settings so that you can just hit the button. Like you don't have to click and hold it. And uh, that's—I just auto hide the UI and just, just jam on that share button all the all day. Now that uh, I, I didn't want to make it a PS4 settings podcast. <laughs> yeah. No, yeah. Uh, that would be a really good podcast. Today we're going to tackle trophies. Um, yeah, I think trophies. Now that we're kind of done with Dark Souls 3, uh, are you going back and doing PvP characters? Are you moving on to other games? You mentioned you weren't kind of you weren't a real big gamer outside of the Souls series, so I'm kind of curious what you're going to be doing next, besides, you know, waiting for the DLC. I'm just going to be playing more Souls, I think. I <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, just, there's other builds I want to try in other Souls games. Um, yeah, and uh, I don't know. I it's as I said, like prior to the Soul series, it's not like I was just looking forward to the next big game that was coming out and getting ready for it or anything. But I will say this about the Soul series as well is it kind of made me appreciate video games a little bit more. Just kind of going through them and having that experience is now like through them I've I've learned about like Eco and Shadow of the Colossus and like all these other disparate like kind of set of influences uh and like kind of the behemoths of like this classic uh, good video game design um i yeah so i want to maybe kind of delve into those a little bit more i've I've kind of dipped into them but not really too much so yeah i think i might just get into some classics for a bit first thing i want to say is uh thank you so much for coming on the podcast and spending an hour of your time with me i really appreciate it um if people i know you don't have like a huge internet presence but if people want to find you on the internet are you comfortable saying where you are um i have that twitter account but i don't really post anything on it but if i do i usually delete it as well it's not really (laughs) it's only a twitter account to kind of follow uh just kind of the latest soul stuff that's happening uh, just pretty okay. much exclusively use it for that. Um, it's just Mystic Referee 86. You can follow me, but don't really expect any posts or updates or anything. It's pretty passive. That's okay. But yeah, I'm on the Duffeed Slack, so I mean, I'll plug that. I mean, you you should come join it. It's just a pretty good place to hang out. Yeah, um, you were probably like the 5,000th person from the Duffeed Slack that I've tapped yes. for this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> eventually i'm gonna have to like up my patreon to for patreon donation to gary and cole to, so i could now that i'm like you know stealing their fan base to make my own podcast i don't i don't think they actually mind though um but as always i've been Jer- i've been your host jeremy greer um i'm at jg greer on twitter um, you can find this podcast at GGUS Podcast, and if you want to come on and tell your story uh, about how you got started with Souls games, send me an email to GGUSPodcast at gmail.com, and I appreciate you listening. We'll see you next time. <laughs>